With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with ESPN's Courtney Cronin here at Winter Park. Courtney, how's it going this week? Just, you know, this is actually been a calm one. Yeah, it's, it's at this point of the year, there's so much good that's happened for this team. And, you know, you run out of things to talk about. I mean, of course, there's always stuff to talk about with another opponent coming up, but the same storylines, you can tell the people who have not been around this team when they come in and ask the questions that you asked in week three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a good sign. It's fun covering a team that is that loose on Fridays and talking about Star Wars in the locker room. Well, that was your fault, though. I know. The Last Jedi? I, I, okay, I'll be the first to say it. I couldn't tell you a single thing about Star Wars. I've seen a few of them, just like bits and pieces. And my brother had the Return of the Jedi birthday party that I went to. We went to the movie theater, and um, I fell asleep. So, uh, Well, you can explain the context around you talking to Vikings players about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, there's some cross-promotion there because um, ESPN's having all the NFL Nation uh, members and some NBA uh, reporters ask about movie are they going to see it uh you know are they excited to see it and apparently former punter jeff Locke used to have this thing where he would ask you know he'd take all the specialists and it's a tradition that is still around talk to kevin mcdermott about it today and they are still going to go do it and it should be very exciting and fun and latavius murray told me that his favorite star wars character is uh what's it darth vader because he's a bad guy too that's what Latavius said. I'm like, no, you're not, but yeah, no, you're a nice he's guy. the farthest from you're, a bad guy. You're but, the best interview on the team. So. But also, now I don't know enough about Star Wars to play some sort of game where we make Vikings people Star Wars people. Oh, gosh. I, I just don't know enough. But I would say that if you pick Darth Vader as your favorite character, you probably don't know much about Star Wars. Because he's so mainstream. Right. I mean, that's like the people, like... When I was like a huge Dave Matthews band nerd, that'd be like the same people who said Ants Marching was their favorite song. And I'd be like, get out of here. I used my, my music snobbery. And then, then I became a person and I realized that that's not, no way to live your life. Yeah, that'd be like if you were a San Francisco 49ers fan and you said, well, who's your favorite player? Oh, it's Joe Montana. Like, oh, really? Well, that's I would have said Jerry Rice, great. but that's but, just me. Unfair to Latavius because he helped you with your story. Oh, absolutely. Props to Latavius for that. I mean, you can, with Star Wars, you can talk about some of the characters that are on the side. You don't have to go crazy and, you know, mention one from an episode or a, whatever, a movie that no one would know. I mean, you could just say, like, Yoda because he's yeah, that, philosophical. Yeah, that, that guy's a G. I like him. Yeah. He knows everything, and he's very philosophical. 
Anyway, this tells you about the level of controversy around this team right now. I, <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way where we've spent the last couple of Purple Podcasts, you and I or Judd or whoever else we've had on, just saying, and this guy's good, and this guy's good, and this guy's good, and that's kind of what it's like on a 10-2 and two team, which is very different from where we stood last year where we were breaking down the many things that had gone wrong for this team. So let me ask you kind of a big-picture question, and then we'll get more into the Carolina matchup. What do you think is the biggest difference if you were to rank them, if it's changes on the offensive line, if it's Zimmer's mentality, if it's you know, whatever it might be, Case Keenum is the quarterback, like, between last year's meltdown and this year, from what everyone has said about that, because they've been asked a bunch of times, what have you come away with from your perspective is the biggest difference? I think it's the upgrade that they've had at so many positions. I mean, you take a look at the offensive line, it starts with both of those tackle spots. Um, obviously, that's a big topic of conversation coming in this weekend with Matt Khalil um, and just, you know, some of the penalties he's had recently and just, you know, the up and down season. But I think, I think it honestly, that was their number one priority in free agency. So I think that that's the fairest place to start. But in recent weeks, you see how good this running game is compared to, I mean, the only way or place they had to go was up. They were awful last year, and it was not a multi-dimensional attack. attack and it really hasn't been um, for about a decade. There, it wasn't, and I think that that's a huge thing that cannot be, you know, minimized at all during this win streak of just how beneficial it's been for Case Keenum to have a Latavius Murray, to have Jarek McKinnon to rely on when we weren't exactly sure that was going to be as dynamic and as effective come week four this season. And, and that was a question that somebody asked you, what was it, on Twitter or someone asked you? Yeah, about, about the run game, yeah. yeah. Okay, about on whether it would be better, the same, how much different it might be with Delvin Cook. And the way I would look at it, because they've, they've been one of the best in the NFL, mm-hmm. and since week seven, Latavius Murray's third in the NFL in rushing. I don't know if it would have been better than that. I think just with the two guys that you have, they kind of combine to make one Delvin Cook, even though Murray is a different running back just his overall success, I would have expected that from Delvin Cook on the ground, that he would have been averaging four and a half to five yards a carry. I would have also expected him to be a huge part of the passing game. The only area where it might have just been better is you could use Jarek McKinnon in some different ways, but they've kind of done that anyway, that he has been more of a threat in the pass after those first couple games that Delvin went down. He's been more of a threat in the pass than in the run, and maybe just mixing in Murray as a ground-and-pound type of guy or in the red zone. But I don't think you can be much better than they've been with those two guys. No, I agree. And I think with Dalvin, um, there I don't want to say there would be a, level, a place where it would level off, but at some point – we talked to him about this early in the season that, you know, his body was feeling it back then come week 15, 16, 17. And then you're looking and hoping for a long playoff run. You know, he's a rookie. This is the first time he's gone through a season this long in his life. Um, there would certainly be times where I think it would be, you'd probably see less from Dalvin Cook. It wouldn't be every single game. You know, that four game stretch that he had was pretty remarkable. Um, you know, where he was breaking early season records of Adrian Peterson's and just, you know, really showing that the torch had been passed and there was nothing in doubt as to what Dalvin could do going forward. But it, it is. It's the best of both worlds with Murray because you have a really strong, powerful, you know, guy that can that we knew 
that this this red zone success that they're having right now is no surprise whatsoever, and particularly to me because I saw this last year. Ten of its twelve touchdowns came from inside uh, the ten yard line. I mean, this is this is what you expect out of a guy like this. And Jarek McKinnon's such a great complementary piece to that. I think it's honestly like one A and one B with them, and I think that's a fair thing to say just because they're so good at their individual strengths, and it's you know best of both worlds. That question made me think about uh, Mike Zimmer and his crystal ball from earlier this year i haven't heard that since what week five it feels so long ago that we were talking about zimmer and his crystal ball and that's uh, when that's before the wind streak started correct that was when he was angry zimmer when he lost his quarterback and thought that it was going to be a rough ride again this year but uh, it hasn't turned out to be that way but it, it made me think about pulling out the crystal ball here a little bit and looking forward. I, I know that every time we talk about anything in the future... People freak out? A little bit, yes. But there's a couple of things that I think we need to discuss a little bit on the future that are kind of looming right now. And one of them at the top of the list is... Because what made me think of it is with Delvin Cook and next year's running situation, mm-hmm. it's possible that Jarek McKinnon could just come back and you could have those three again if McKinnon kind of resigned himself to being a role player rather than trying to search for a number one role. But I don't think he's going to get that anywhere. Judd, yeah. Judd yeah. asked me that question, I think, week 10 or somewhere somewhere before the Washington game, which is he had that, that stretch. It was, you know, he had like a three-game stretch, and Latavius has had this last stretch. Um, and it's hard to think with the cap space issues, like, you know, coming forward and what that picture might look like of, like, the guys that they're going to bring back. He's obviously not related here, but we got, if we're talking future, we have to talk about Stefan Diggs and what happens there. But with the run game, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if – I'm not really so sure that he would have an every-down, number-one running back role anywhere. Um, but – he is. He's a great role player, and he's you know really taken that on. I mean, that's what he's been here in four years, and I would like to see the run game stay together. I mean, that's. I think that that's. It's. They're going to need to. They're going to want that because of how it leveled off so heavily the last few years. And Murray is under contract for three years, mm-hmm. so he's definitely back now at this point. Especially with Delvin coming back from an ACL injury, you want to have someone to take off the pressure early on in the season from Delvin Cook, and, I mean, with McKinnon, you just love the three-headed monster feel to that. He's one of the highest rated by pro football focused in the receiving game. He's turned into a really good pass blocker, which I think doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. Because he's, like, 5'9". I mean, it's impressive to watch on film, watching him, like, take on a a defender and, you know, hold his own. And, uh, again, with pro football focus, one of the highest rated pass blocking running backs, Jarek McKinnon. So he brings a lot of value, especially in the red zone, uh, where he can run routes one-on-one with linebackers because they're loading up, and then you can send him out. You can, they ran a jet sweep with him at one point. There's so many different things you can do with him. I think he'd be valuable. I think he'd be worth paying 3 or $4 million to bring back because of the role that he has. But th- the thing that made me think about the crystal ball the most is Pat Shermer. Yeah. And now it's not just one, it's two or three people coming out and saying national writers that Pat Shermer has pushed himself up toward the top of the list of head coaching candidates. I, I'm not going to say that it's reached foregone conclusion status, but if this team goes 13-3 and three and wins a playoff game or home field advantage throughout the playoffs with a top-five offense in the NFL with Case Keenum as their quarterback – 
I think Pat Shermer is as good as gone, that someone is going to hire him to be a head coach and just give him a mulligan for what happened in Cleveland, which I think everyone deserves. It's not his fault. What 9-21 and 21 or whatever in Cleveland, I mean, that the management of that team is the reason that that happened. Like, I don't think you put as much blame on Pat Shermer. I mean, look at how they botched the draft during those. I mean, look how they do it every year. But, I mean, look at those years specifically. I think this reminds me, and I'm writing this in a mailbag for tomorrow, how in my years covering the NBA the last few years, you never really hear. And I think it's just obviously contract situations are different there with the mega deals that we've seen the last two off-seasons. Um Usually in the NFL, it's everything's going great, the team's winning, let's blow it up. Let's talk about blowing it up because that just happened. I mean, with with success comes stuff like that. I mean, he's you know, quarterback whisper, if you want to call him that. I mean, he is the reason this offense, it starts with him because he's adapted, because he's found Case Keenum's strengths, and he's manipulated them to the point where this team is on an eight-game winning streak um, and, and winning in some really tough places against some really good defenses. So, yeah, I think I wouldn't say I agree. I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion, but I do think that if I had to rank things that are the most likely to happen, Pat Shermer being here next year is probably not. It's probably like at the t- not being here next year is at the top. I think if Pat Shermer wants to be a head coach again, then Pat mm-hmm. Shermer will be a head coach again. But I would also leave the door open to him maybe deciding that this is the route he'd rather go and try to win a Super Bowl again next year, and maybe just get a pay increase or something like that to stick around rather than going and and being in charge of a team that's obviously got problems since they fired their head coach. It might have to be the right situation, too, because if if you were talking about the New York Giants, I think I would love to be the head coach of the New York Giants because they are stacked up on defense. You have great offensive weapons. Evan Ingram, their tight end, has made a huge impression his first year. Odell Beckham's going to come back. You get a little bit of a running game. You get a couple offensive linemen, and all of a sudden you can take off with a number one overall quarterback or whatever it is. Don't don't sleep on Davis Webb. Or or even yeah. keep, they could even keep Eli Manning. I've gone in my foregone conclusion in my mind. He's out of there. But yeah, I, you're I, probably right. I think that's really likely after what happened. But then it does seem that they chose Eli Manning over Ben McAdoo in this case. So let's just say that they fix the offensive line the same way that the Vikings do. They add an offensive mind like Pat Shermer, who has done so much here and improved their running game. Then the Giants are a Super Bowl contender, Mm -hmm. I think, with Eli Manning or maybe a, a top overall draft pick either way, but especially with Eli, who's done it before. So I could see Pat Shermer looking at that situation going, well, you've already got me the defense. All I need is just some improvements on offense, and that's my thing. So I think he should be at the top of their list. If you were talking about some other teams, I mean, the, the Bears might be in pretty good shape. Cincinnati, though, I would not yeah. want to go coach Cincinnati. I wouldn't want to go coach anywhere for him in the state of Ohio. Um, I don't know if <laughs> yes, the Bra- I don't right. know if the Browns would like for, for like maybe they forgot that they hired him at one time before, and that I don't I doubt he'd ever go back there. But I think the situation in Cincinnati, you know, I've never I've never really understood kind of what's gone on there. I think it's such a tricky. I don't know, since Zimmer left, really. I mean, take a look at the defense. I mean, take a look at just how everything's played out there. And, you know, Marvin, I don't think he has a job next year, but um, at least on at least on that level with that team. I, th- I think Cincinnati right now is what we will be looking at in the future with the Vikings in, like, five years. If they had all Bridge- this good, and then... If Teddy Bridgewater isn't their franchise quarterback, sure. 
if they stick with Case Keenum or I don't know, Sam Bradford comes back or I don't we still don't know in the crystal ball what's going to happen in the quarterback position. Let's say they stick with Case Keenum. I think you're looking at eventually a defense deteriorates with age, with contracts, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Offensive line will deteriorate too and you're left with a couple of good weapons but a quarterback who can't really carry you. And I think that's what Cincinnati is, that they had their window. That's why I feel like this year is so important for the Vikings to get it done if they're going to ever do it because the window is not that big when you don't have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. And as good as Case Keenum has played, he's not Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to carry you himself deep into the playoffs. You need everything to click all at the same moment, which is tough. And Cincinnati had that a couple of years, and they just weren't able to get it done. So I think we're kind of looking in the mirror there. And if you were... Uh, the uh, head coach out there and you or you want to be a head coach I'd look at that team and go man they need to be torn entirely apart AJ Green's been the only constant part of that offense though I mean Andy Dalton has it's not like they don't have weapons I mean they had stuff but just nothing's panned out and Mixon hasn't been that good for them and he's just been okay but Andy Dalton locked into mediocrity right and there's just no way away from it outside of incredible incredible all-time great defense so I, if I was Shermer, I would not want to go there. But I think there will be enough teams out there that have decent situations that if he wants one of those jobs, I think he's going to get it. No, I agree. And it's just a matter now, like you said, does he want to be a head coach again? Because um, I think what he's got here, and you know, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator here all that long. I mean, he's had other stops doing that. But this system and you know you don't really know maybe he wants to stick around and see what he can get out of Teddy Bridgewater because that's I think the next big question next big picture question outside of everything else that matters is the quarterback situation in 2018 because you have three guys right now that are at least maybe not on the active roster but three guys in the organization that are free agents next year well that might be your question if you're Shermer to the Vikings Mm -hmm. if they say we really would like you to stick around rather than taking a head coaching job in Cincinnati wouldn't you ask the Vikings, okay, well, who's going to be my long-term quarterback? Is it going to be Case Keenum or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Is his contract going to toll or not? I mean, it would be a big question. That's if something I were they've got to figure out in the next four weeks. That's, that's the more underrated storyline here because if he plays, he's a free agent. If not, then you're dealing with, I think, a much worse situation. Is that what we have it boiled down to, that if he – plays in a game he is a free agent that's to my understanding yes but the whole contract tolling and you know if the Vikings decide they want to do that I think it gets more complicated um if I'm if I'm thinking clearly I think I think Teddy is their quarterback for 2018 but like you and I kind of I think we talked about this yesterday what could they what are the possible scenarios that they could bring both Keenum and Teddy and have both of them on the roster, I mean, you'd have to be both sides would end up having to meet in the middle somewhere, and I don't know that they would do that. I think we've passed that point of return. Like, if Case Keenum had gotten this team to 10-2, and but his quarterback rating was an 83, Mm -hmm. let's say, and he had just been mediocre, but they had good running game, good defense, then I think you could say to Case, look, I mean, you played like a backup quarterback. You got some wins, I get that, but your quarterback rating was 83, so why don't you come back as our backup again, and we know we can trust you if you've got to play. But he's going to make the Pro Bowl, probably. And your guy makes the Pro Bowl, he's not going to accept the backup role. No. I think he will go on the market or stay here as a starting quarterback only, and I also think that someone else will make him their starting quarterback. 
I do too, and I don't know if I, I don't know if we, if anybody really felt that way, and you couldn't until now, until you saw the Atlanta win, until you saw, you know, down the stretch of this eight-game win streak, not in the middle of it. I mean, this is, I, I think he is right now. I guess I'm, I'm going to go out and say it. I think he is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL because you take a look at, like you just talked about, Andy Dalton. That's a career built upon mediocrity. Take a look at this, you know, the other 32 starters. I think, Kate, I mean, Case Keenum has outperformed all of them, but it will be interesting, and we'll be talking about this in 20, what, next year, 2018, um, if he's not here at this time. How's, how Case Keenum is doing elsewhere because then you'll truly – we will never truly be able to know whether he was a product of this system until he's somewhere else or if or how much of it he – how much of it was a product of the system, how much of it he did on his yeah, own. And how much he potentially changed and got better. I think I, think I know. I mean, I, I think that he's Josh McCown, that in the right amount of games, in the right situation – this guy can play really well. And Josh McCown has done that in New York with maybe not the best situation, but they've got some talent there on offense, maybe more than people predicted. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, Robbie Anderson, the mm-hmm. wide receiver, was better than anyone thought he was going to be. And all of a sudden, Josh McCown is a reasonably good quarterback. And there was a stretch with the Chicago Bears where McCown was a reasonably good quarterback. And in lesser situations, in Tampa Bay and Cleveland, uh, all other teams that exist in the NFL, McCown was just like a guy, just a backup or just mediocre. And I think that that's the same with Case Keenum. And probably a number of quarterbacks in the league, I would put Andy Dalton right there too, of a guy who's just mediocre but in a great situation. He can be good enough to get you to the playoffs. And we've seen that throughout history a number of times. I was mentioning to you yesterday about Kerry Collins. Mm -hmm. The one time Kerry Collins, who had been proved to be a bad quarterback and a bust in Carolina, and and he ends up, well, he made the Super Bowl with the Giants the one year, and then he took the Titans to a 12-4 record. But nobody would ever say Kerry Collins was a good quarterback. It was just the right situation he was able to do it. And if you're the Vikings... Next year, you'll have a great situation for him, too. So you might say, okay, we could do this next year with Case, but I don't think we could do it long-term because you're going to need better quarterback play long-term. So that leaves you, like you said, wanting to bring both of them back. I just then, don't think it's going to happen. But, I, but Yes, I, right. I think that that has now gone off the table. What do you think happens with Teddy Bridgewater? I think he is their 2018 quarterback. Um, I don't know, but that's the, in order for that to happen, I still think he has to play this season. The most obvious choice for that is the meaningless Week 17 game, which you know I think we talked about it weeks ago. Like, what are the scenarios? Is it you know second quarter, second half in Atlanta, Keenum throws an interception? Well, that doesn't happen. I mean, I know that was every week. It's something new, but I think that's the solid consensus right now that Teddy will get some time because that game. I mean, they can lock up the NFC North this week. You know, then they've got the Bengals, the Packers, which Case will play in, and then I think Teddy should be in in Week 17. But because I just think because if it doesn't happen, then what happens with his contract? Because they could, if he, if he, to simple terms, if they told if they told his contract, then he's at basically at a much lower rate than he should be getting where he's at. How many years he's been in the NFL for four years already? So it could get ugly. So I think that they know. You know, they still. I, I still think he's the guy. I still think long term, that's who they want to see. See if they can build a franchise around him because they were getting a nice look at that early on in the 2014 and 15 season. They don't know yet, so 
to me, it just makes the most logical sense because if you, you know, if the faith isn't really there that Case Keenum, I mean, long term, yeah, you could still have the same offensive line next year, but then you're looking at contracts coming up, you know, all across the offense and what how free agency might affect that. He's in the best possible situation right now. So if you can kind of mirror that, because obviously there's some, you know, turnover from year to year, but if you can mirror that going forward, is he your guy? I don't know. I, I just, I don't think long term, but I think, you know, if they want to start over and if they essentially start over with Teddy Bridgewater next year and be able to, um, you know, kind of have his, you know, part two with the Vikings, then you can look at that on a longer term basis because you're going to be building everything around him and not worrying about the, you know, about having to do it, you know, twice in one season with one quarterback and then another. I'm wondering how many teams will be interested in Case Keenum for next year because Kirk Cousins might be on the market. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor will be on the market. And I think Tyrod Taylor and Kirk Cousins are very much in the same category of if they have a really good team, they can make the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are not a really good team, so Tyrod Taylor gets benched, kind of the same way with Case Keenum. I'm looking around trying to figure out how many teams might be interested. Cleveland's going to draft a top guy. Cincinnati is stuck with Dalton for now, I think. Miami is a possibility, but that also might be a possibility if Teddy Bridgewater becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm looking in the crystal ball for where Case Keenum might go, I mean, could it be Denver? Because their quarterback situation is a mess. God, yeah. I mean, let's think. I, I think Denver and the Giants and maybe Arizona because uh, yeah. Carson Palmer is done there. I mean, th- there won't be. That's the one thing about the Case Keenum situation where I could see him coming back is that there just won't be that many teams out there that are willing to pay him top dollar. And maybe if you said, okay, we're going to sign you to a one- or two-year deal for $40 million or $30 million or something like that, then maybe that would be attractive to him. Uh, What what else is in your crystal ball for for the top of the list of things to look for? Because those are the top, clearly. Pat Shermer and what might happen Mm -hmm. with him. The quarterback situation is number one. What what past that are you most interested in that this team is going to have to deal with as we go forward? Well, I mean, it's, I still think that, you know, you look at potentially all three of their coordinators not being here next year. I know that Prefer has aspirations to be a head coach somewhere. I'm seeing George Edwards' name kind of thrown in the mix. I don't – obviously, because of the Rooney rule, like, you have to, you know, make that known. Um, but – you know, even as as uh, early as today, you know, seeing both of their names, um, you know, come come through. But yeah, I guess going position by, I, I think Diggs is probably your next one, and what happens with his contract going forward. Um, and the why, I guess, yeah, let's take a look at the wide receiver group. I mean, where's Michael Floyd next year? Oh, we, not here. I don't think not here. I, if I'm him and I know that I can play, I'm going to go somewhere that doesn't have an Adam Thielen and a Stephon Diggs on it so they can get more opportunity. I think he's basically going to get a tryout with somebody next year. I'm not even sure what, what any team signs him to unless he has a really great end of this season because I think we had the expectation that he was going to be a deep threat for them. He's been no threat for them. No. He, he's, he had a good catch last week. He, I mean, he's made the catches when they've come his way, but he just hasn't been a part of this offense at all. And I can't see any team saying – okay, this guy who had the DUI issues and then the kombucha tea thing and the Vikings stuck with him for a one-year deal. But, I mean, it might end up being back here on another one-year deal for a million bucks. Laquan Treadwell is kind of an interesting one because I think 
Treadwell, unlike last year, has turned himself around in the locker room to be looked at as a guy that's just part of the crew, part of the group, hardworking guy, and doesn't seem to cause any problems that they like for some reasons. He's blocking. Special teams work, yeah. Special teams work that, I mean, you're probably not going to cut a former first-round pick. You're probably just going to keep giving him time. I, I think that that's the, the problem with it, essentially. I was asked, we had a fantasy question this week. Um, the one that was posed for the Vikings is, can he be, is he done? Is he where he's going to be? Or can he be a, can he finally, I wouldn't say be a star, but can he finally show why he was drafted in the first round, essentially? It won't be here. It will not be here. Not on a team that has this, nobody really can, if, in terms, if you're talking fantasy points, nobody, and, and obviously that's not for the big picture, but the way this question was phrased, no one's having meaningful outings in fantasy outside of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And the way that that trans- transfers into real life is it's all situational football for Jarius Wright, Michael Floyd, and, and Stefan Diggs on, on, you know, critical third downs, obviously with Jarius Wright. Um, it's, I wouldn't want, I mean, if I'm a guy who wants to show, hey, that I could be potentially a really good NFL wide receiver, it's not going to come here because, They've got something that's working, and you know his role here is as a special teams guy. Yeah, and I think that that's about the best he's going to be. But there might be someone else who would give him an opportunity. It's just he's still on his rookie deal. Do you keep him or do you make room and get somebody else? Because right now, one of the biggest parts of this team has been the backup tight end David Morgan playing more than Laquan Treadwell yeah. and using the multiple tight end sets. Morgan's going to be out this week, uh, unfortunately for the Vikings, but I mean, they really haven't gotten a ton out of that number three position. I feel like Jarius Wright has been a bigger contributor he's, than Laquan he's, Treadwell. He's gotten, I mean, the last few weeks he solidified himself, but you know, good Lord, it took, it took them all long enough to do this. This was, this was up for grabs since the preseason. Right. So like, if you're the Vikings, do you want to draft a guy instead? with maybe a second or third round pick who might be a better slot receiver specifically mm-hmm. or a better deep threat specifically that might fit into a role because none of these guys really do. And they're kind of combining to just hold that position down. And I just don't see any more upside for Laquan Treadwell. He can't work any harder than he does. He's a very, very hard worker, but there's just problems there that aren't going to get solved. And this is kind of what you have. So can he play a role on next year's team? Sure, but I don't think you want him. Early in the season, he's playing 60% of snaps, and we've seen that just go down and down and down and down because he hasn't done anything to separate himself from those other guys. And no offense to Jerry's right and Michael Floyd, but if you're a first-round pick, you should be able to separate yourself from those guys where they are in their career now, and he hasn't really done that. I think he's on the team next year, but I think he's playing a similar role of – 20 30 percent of snaps he's out there he's playing special teams and that's probably it unless someone wants to trade for him but even then teams are going to offer you a fifth round pick or something like that what, what would be the use in trading him for that and and i don't think given the history of what rick spielman how he views first round picks he's not going to get rid of him that quickly i mean look at trey waynes like it took i mean it's different positions and and i know with treadwell the thought last year was that zimmer's bringing him along too slowly whether that's the case or not i mean we're past the point now there's there's no excuse i i could see them holding on to him for another year but not more than that well yeah i mean waynes at the beginning of the year i thought I, I was referring to treadwell holding oh, yeah, on yeah, to yeah. him for another year i think waynes at least now is you know 
this is exactly where they expected him to be coming along because of how Rhodes came along. But you just you just reminded me of something that's a future for them is that Trey Waynes is gone from at the beginning of the year. I never would have thought they'd be picking up his fifth year option, and right. now I think it's a guarantee that they will. Absolutely. Because like, now they need these two guys to be their top corners. No, I agree. I mean, that's something that, you know, you, and, you, and you take a look, too. I mean, if we're talking future, how much longer is Terrence Newman going to play? That's why, you know, with a guy like Mackenzie Alexander, who's finally coming along, at least since the bye, it's, maybe it shows, hey, they know what they're doing. Like, you know, they, they, this was how they, you know, maybe projected it, or at least they can say they did. But, yeah, no, with the way Waynes has played, you know, particularly – in the Detroit game, I think he played well. Um, you know, all things considered, in Atlanta, um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty much a, a give a given at this point. They will. Crystal ball. Let's go to the postseason because oh. this team will be in the playoffs, and they've got a great chance to win the NFC. So let's just assume that they have that they win the NFC. Home field advantage throughout. Super Bowl? I mean, what, what, what are you – if you're pulling up your crystal ball, what are you seeing in the playoffs for this team? I mean, what's your best guess inside Zimmer's crystal ball? The skeptic in me – and I'll, go, I'll get the, the negative part out first. Hater. So, yeah. The skeptic in me sees 14-2, and two, maybe 13-3, and three, obvious first-round bye – because, um, you know, they're, with the way that I think it shapes up is that, like, Philadelphia, they have the Rams this week, and then don't they have – I'm trying to remember what their schedule was. But I, I know this could – you know, Vikings have a very easy path here, let's put it that way, towards the end of the season where they could pretty much coast the last three weeks. Obviously need to win, but nothing's going to screw that up. I could see a – you know, just the skeptic in me could see 14-2 and two and then a loss in the first round um, after they get the bye. But – you know, the way that this team has been playing, and I'm, very, I'm not quick to ever give in to hyperbole um, and want to say that, yeah, like, you know, they look like a Super Bowl team. That's why I just try to stay away from that. I can say, like, that's, a, you know, elements of a Super Bowl defense like I have before. But if they win this weekend, and if it's a sizable victory, and if they, dis- you know, just dismantle Cam Newton, and if they're able to do – if they're able to attack that secondary that is not very good um, and a very overrated Carolina defense as it is with, you know, both Thielen and Diggs and, you know, break off big plays because I don't think Carolina is very good against, you know, runs of 11 yards or more, passes of 15 yards or more, I think that they could be a Super Bowl team. I can buy into every position on this team being as good as anybody else in the NFL. And especially in the NFC where I think the Eagles showed a little bit of weakness and Seattle doesn't have a great team, but they've got a great quarterback. Uh, I mean, the defensive line is great too. Um, So I could talk myself into it, but I can't get around the quarterback. No, I agree with that. I'm not saying Super Bowl win by any stretch. But I think but, I think you just try to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, like heck yeah, right? like, well, yeah, obviously, right? <laughs> but, I, but I mean, if you if you make it to the Super Bowl, then that is like you've had an unbelievable season. That's that's the goal. And if you win it, okay. If you don't, okay. But uh, can you actually get there with Case Keenum as your quarterback? And there have been some teams that have gotten there and just not mm-hmm. won it, like the Rex Grossman Bears. But even then, you're going back quite a far ways to find that. You know, I mean, maybe you might say Peyton, Peyton Manning wasn't playing that well. 
But still, it's Peyton Manning, and so I don't buy into that. Yeah, Dilfer, but you've got to go back a long ways for that. Brad mm-hmm. Johnson, you've got to go back a long ways. There aren't many examples where this actually happens, and that makes it very difficult for me to get over that point because I think you get into the playoffs, and then Russell Wilson is the biggest difference. And then you, you ramp it up even more with your schemes and things like that and your game planning for one opponent, for one game, do or die, that's where I think they end up losing. But the factor that helps them a lot, if they can get to the end here and be 13-3 and three or 14-2, and two, the home field, it seems like they can beat anybody here. And I think the, the storyline that we knew all season that this defense was going to come through, I mean, to win a Super Bowl, that's where it comes from. I, don't, I, I, I can confidently, at least right now, say that if they do make the Super Bowl, if this is a team that is able to you know, get through the rest of these four games and have home field advantage, that they can get there, but it's going to be on this defense to win that game. Yeah, I agree. I, Maybe that's when, we're, when we'll see our first pick six of the year. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, where was your pick six last week? You know, Case tried to throw it early in the game. He threw a ball to Stefan Diggs where – Diggs kind of wrapped up the guy a little bit, and it fell incomplete, but could have been a pick six. So, almost. I would like to add one thing that I just saw Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings, tweet. Never heard um, of him. Mike Zimmer's obviously in the conversation for a lot of big awards, I mm. think, and that's you know another crystal ball thing. It, 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 who's going to win Coach of the Year? Is it him? Is it Sean McVay? I mean, he makes a case. But today, some big news that came through. Congratulations to Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, winner of the prestigious Kentucky Landowner of the Year Award. Oh. He declined to comment but said on the honor, but is clearly excited. That's a big deal. He loves that ranch. He, he, as I read, I've read some stories about just how, um, you know, when he went to purchase that land, because I, don't, I believe that was close to where the Bengals did their preseason stuff. Um, you know, that's... Congrats. That's a, that's a big deal. I, too, own land. Where do you own land? Oh, you you own a house here? Yeah, I do, yeah. I don't um, think of that as land, though. I mean, Zimmer owns land. No, no, no. I've got a backyard. Land with, like, 10 A's, meaning in each A is an acre. I mean, I, I have several trees in the backyard. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations, then, from both of us <laughs> to Mike Zimmer for being the Kentucky landowner of the year. <laughs> but I think in the crystal ball... There is a great, great chance he's coach of the year. I agree. I think that everything that's lined up, and that's, I think that's a good award where, you know, we talk about the MVP um, award being so driven by statistics, as it should be. Uh, but this is, a you know, leadership is left out of the MVP award by and large. But here, I mean, this is, takes into consideration everything. For the Rams and in the dumpster fire that was there in Westwood, uh, that Sean McVay has resurrected yep. and now has one of the better offenses in the in the country. And then we you know with Mike Zimmer, all that he went through in 2016, early in 2017, and how they've overcome it, they both make really strong cases. I think for sure he's in that conversation um, for that award. It might ultimately just depend on who has the better record here, yeah. Doug Peterson. Now, how about yeah. if the San Diego Chargers yeah. all of a sudden end up at 10-6 and six or something? Dude, they're or... relevant again. That's the best part. I love that they're relevant. Because everyone wants to show up to that stadium. And he's done such a phenomenal job at taking them back into you know, a spot where people care. And they should. But I think Zimmer is at the very forefront of that, uh, that conversation. So uh, that, I think, looking in my crystal ball, seeing that he lost his quarterback – 
probably gives him an edge on all of those guys. If you go 13-3 and three with Carson Wentz, okay, well, you were supposed to. If you go 13-3 and three with Case Keenum, you probably deserve Coach of the Year. So. And without Dalvin Cook. Do you, have, do you have, like, a really, just to end it on, like, a really blazing hot crystal ball take for the future? Ooh. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think about, like, job security stuff. Like, you know, who's going to be here, who's not going to be how about here. Just, how about an NFL really hot crystal ball take? It doesn't have to be Vikings because we've kind of covered all of the future there. Come up with the blazingest, hottingest take, if that's a word, hottest take that you can. Andrew Luck will not be... He will not be himself once he comes back from this. I think that we have seen the best of Andrew Luck that we are going to see, and this has been, you know, the situation was not handled well by the Colts at all. It was a freaking circus. And I think that this injury was more serious than he thought and that he will not end up being what we expected in the union was drafted. That's a good one. I think I've kind of already touched on two that I can come up with, but my two would be that the L.A. Chargers end up in the Super Bowl. Did I say San Diego Chargers earlier? Whoops. I think you just said Chargers. Oh, I thought That's I all said, I heard. I thought I might have said San Diego. Well, I, I just have I, – I don't even hear that word San Diego anymore. Just I, yeah. out of my mind. San Diego. I think uh, the Chargers end up at least in the AFC Championship game and potentially in the Super Bowl. That's my blazing hot take. I think another hot take is Tom Savage gets a job somewhere else. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, knowing the NFL, who would be surprised, right? He gets paid. Brock um, Osweiler's still somewhere floating around. My other one would just be that the Giants will be a Super Bowl contender next year. One year from now, they're a disaster now. Everyone's upset. One year from now, they're legitimately one of the best teams in the NFC. That's a good one. I do like that one. Good job. I enjoyed this conversation. This is fun. I like being able to talk about the future. And uh, a lot, I, I'm pumped for the conversation that we're going to have in our mentions. And just to let you know, <laughs> let, no, let's, let's just go through this real quick before we end. Um, because I'm hoping someone's still listening at this point just for our pr- predictions. What is your prediction oh. this week? Because let, let's get it on the record that last week both of us picked the Vikings to win. Um, no, not according to at least one tweeter. But, you know, let's get it on the record. So, you know, so I can remember, because I can't remember where we had our predictions in the show last week. But can you think of anything more lame than attacking someone over their game prediction? Like it's it's an easy anyone. target. It's low hanging fruit for these people. How about the teams? I love when the teams with their Twitter accounts are like, oh, look, everyone picked against this. Ha ha ha. And then the next week they all get it right and they just don't tweet it out. It's well, it's it's low hanging fruit. People love like when when they can point at you and say, "Ha ha, you're wrong. You and your verified Twitter account, you're wrong." Oh, uh, right. You know, you're around the team every day. You should know exactly what the score should be. If if I That's was, why I like my wild proje- projections, like relying on some crazy special teams. You could have got to twenty two last. I know. Week. I was I was hoping for it. <laughs> I, well, I, what I like to say is, if I knew the scores to the games. I would be tweeting you back from a helicopter right now. Like, <laughs> you and Richard Branson. Fly, You'd be yes, a mogul. I would be an absolute mogul. <laughs> okay, so my, predi- my projection. You've gotten to the point where prediction. you can make inside jokes on the Purple Podcast. Congratulations to you it, it, it took long enough. This is not as good as the Kentucky Landowner of the Year award. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a good one. Um, okay, I will say that um, they win 22-17. to 17. I'm going to steal your score from last week. I love it. I, you I know, it's, it's that's it's always good to have. It just makes it more fun. Like twenty-one fourteen, boring. We yeah, all know that yeah. any you know if you're going to do like an even number. I mean, there's a reason point spreads. I think they um, did get a safety last year against the 
Panthers. So maybe there's a safety mixed in. Yeah. But I, in all seriousness, I'll just go something like that. It's not a super high-scoring game, but the Vikings end up coming out on top. I think that. both of these defenses, like we expected um, in Atlanta, but not by that much, I think they – this game is not as high scoring as it potentially could be. I have it Vikings 18, Panthers 13, because I think the Panthers are going to miss uh, an extra point. I just, you know, I like to, and maybe this is the week that I get my safety. We have not had many missed extra points recently. That was a thing. You should probably knock on something because oh, this is, someone's going to come back and, like, attack you for this. No, there was on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Did they get one blocked, or was that a field goal? The um, you mean Kai Forbath? Yeah, was that an extra point? Blocked extra point, extra point oh, extra and a block point. Okay. Extra, and block field goal, and then that one at the end that was called back and nearly mm. made me throw up all over like <laughs> all over my desk because I had a story written, and that would have like ended up tie, tying the game there. That correct? Point. Um, yeah, oh. that would have been really bad. But so it could have been. It could have technically been three kicks blocked. But okay. Well, I, I'm glad that we. Um, Used Star Wars as a jumping-off point to talk about the future. So hey, that was I, that was not even like the plan. No, just no, why? I mean, that's why it's our chemistry is good here. It's it's getting we, better. It's kind of like the Vikings' offensive line, we, where each week it just gets better. Do you, who do you get to be? I just I don't know enough of them. I I know that I don't want to be Jar Jar Binks. No, I'm not talking about Star Wars. Oh. We're talking about the. I don't know any of them. Either. Oh, the offensive linemen. Yeah. If, um, are you I'm, are you Reef because you're like the captain of this? Uh, no, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm Berger because I want that beard. Okay. Or Remmers. No, I could be Remmers. Remmers I'm, I'm is a so, hockey guy. That's, that's why. Fine. I'm Searle. See, I'm versatile. You're Searle? Uh, I, I, can, I, can <laughs> I can fill in a number of different roles. Um, Shout out Jeremiah Searles for, uh, the versatility. That's a great way to walk away from this. So. <laughs> yeah, we really should. Thank you all for listening to our Into the Future Purple Podcast.